section ten of fancies versus fads this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. fancies versus fads by g k chesterton section ten prohibition and the press an organ of the nonconformist conscience while commenting very kindly on my recent remarks about america naturally went on to criticise though equally kind my remarks about prohibition now so far as i am concerned the problem is not so much prohibition with a large p as prohibition with a small one i mean i am interested not so much in liquor as in liberty i want to know on what principle the prohibitionists are proceeding in this case and how they think it applies to any other case and i cannot for the life of me make out they might be expected to argue that there is something peculiar in principle about the position of liquor and make that the basis for attacking liquor but in point of fact they do not attack liquor they do quite simply attack liberty i mean that they are satisfied with saying about this liberty what can obviously be said about any liberty that it can be and is abominably abused if that had been a final objection to any form of freedom there never would have been any form of freedom and there most notably would never have been the particular forms of freedom which are most sacred to the nonconformist conscience the nonconformists have demanded liberty to secede though they knew it led to an anarchy of sects and spiteful controversies they had demanded the license to print though they knew it involved the license to print twenty falsehoods to one truth i suppose there is nothing in history of which the modern puritan would be more innocently proud than the thing called the liberty of the press which arose out of the pamphleteering of the seventeenth century and especially the great pamphlet of milton yet everything that milton says about allowing controversy in spite of its dangers could be applied word for word to the case of allowing drinking in spite of its dangers is not the virtue that shuts itself up in a temperance hotel a fugitive and cloistered virtue is not the morality that dare not have wine on the table or in the town emphatically one that dares not sally out to meet its enemy all milton's arguments for freedom are arguments for beer and of course milton himself would certainly have applied them to beer the highly successful brewer to whom he was latin secretary a gentleman of the name of williams otherwise cromwell would hardly have been pleased with him if he had not applied them to beer for instance the critic whom i am here venturing to criticize says that people differ about prohibition according to their knowledge or ignorance of the dreadful state of the slums the ravages of alcoholism in our industrial cities and all the rest of it whether or no this be a good argument against the public house there is no doubt that i could easily turn it against the public press i could insist that i am a common cockney fleet street journalist who has done the nightly work for daily papers and fed off nocturnal potato stalls whereas he is probably a cultivated congregationalist minister writing in a library of theological works i might say that i know better than he does or than most people do the cynicism and the vulgarity and the vices of journalism but as a matter of fact the vices of journalism have by this time become as evident to the people who read journals as to the people who write them all responsible people are complaining of the power and condition of the press 
and no people more than these earnest and ethical nonconformists it is they who complain most bitterly that a jingo press can manufacture war it is they who declare most indignantly that a sensational press is undermining morality they often to my mind unduly confuse matters of morality with matters of taste they often to my mind denounce as mere jingoism what is simply the deeply democratic and popular character of patriotism but nobody will deny that to a large extent they are legitimately and logically alarmed about the abuses and absurdities of the newspapers but they have not yet used this as an argument for a veto upon all newspapers why in the world should they use the parallel evils as an argument for a veto on all public houses for my part i do feel very strongly about the frivolity and irresponsibility of the press it seems impossible to exaggerate the evil that can be done by a corrupt and unscrupulous press if drink directly ruins the family it only indirectly ruins the nation but bad journalism does directly ruin the nation considered as a nation it acts on the corporate national will and sways the common national decision it may force a decision in a few hours that will be an incurable calamity for hundreds of years it may drive a whole civilization to defeat to slavery to bankruptcy to universal famine even at this moment there are prominent papers wildly urging us to war not with our foes but with our friends there are some journalists so wicked as to want war almost for its own sake there are more journalists so weak-minded as to work for war without even wanting it let us give one example out of fifty of the sort of phrases that flash by us when we turn over the papers a headline in enormous letters announces that the french are scuttling out of disputed areas in the near east the phrase about scuttling and the policy of scuttle has been familiar and firmly established in english journalism as meaning a cowardly and servile surrender admitting abject defeat and the suggestion is that the french being notoriously a nation of cowards having that tendency to panic produced by a habit of dancing and a diet of frogs can vividly be pictured as scampering with screams of terror from the sight of a turk with a drawn sabre this is the way our newspapers improve our relations with our allies only the newspaper men seem to have gotten a little mixed in their eagerness to expatiate on the wide field of french vileness and ignominy only a little while ago the same papers were telling us that the french were furious filibusters forcing war in every corner of the world we were told that it was france who was militaristic and aggressive and all her rivals were made to scuttle we were told that it was the frenchman and not the turk who was the terrible person holding the drawn sabre in plain words these journalists are resolved to show that whatever the french do is wrong if they advance they are arrogant if they retreat they are cowardly if they keep an army beyond the rhine they are pursuing a policy of militarism if they withdraw an army from somewhere else they are pursuing a policy of scuttle where m poincare is ready to fight he is a fire-eater who cares for nothing but fighting where he is not ready to fight he is a poltroon who is always notoriously too timid to fight the careful selection of language of this sort for a given period might quite possibly land us in a european war a war in which we should certainly be on the wrong side and almost certainly on the losing side 
suppose i come forward with this great reform of the prohibition of the press suppose i suggest that the police should forcibly shut up all the newspaper offices as the other reformers wish to shut up all the public houses what answer will the puritan moralists make to me or on what principle do they distinguish between the one reform and the other there is no kind of doubt about the harm that journalism does and their own line of argument precludes them from appealing merely to the good that it does as a matter of fact far better poems have been written in taverns than are ever likely to appear in daily papers and from pantagruel to pickwick this form of festivity has a role of literary glory to its credit which is never likely to be found in the back files of any newspaper that i know of but the puritans do not discuss the healthier tradition of wine they consider their argument sufficiently supported by the unhealthy effects of gin and bad beer in the slums and if we adopt that principle of judging by the worst then the worst effects of the press are far wider than the worst effects of the public house what exactly is the principle by which they distinguish between lawful and unlawful liberty or mixed and unmixed license i have a rough and ready test which may be right or wrong but which i can at least state but where has their test been stated i say that the simplest form of freedom is that which distinguishes the free man from the slave the ownership of his own body and his own bodily activities that there is a risk in allowing him this ownership is obvious and has always been obvious the risk is not confined to the question of drink but covers the whole question of health but surely the other forms of freedom such as freedom to print are very much more indirect and disputable a newspaper may be made the instrument of the vilest sort of swindling or starving of a whole people why are we to grant the remote right and deny the intimate right moreover a newspaper is a new thing if our fathers had the right to it they never knew it fermented liquor is as old as civilization or older but what i have asked for again and again is simply the principle of the prohibitionists and i am asking still end of section ten